0: Book Riot Insiders is relaunching. It's a new year, and that means new perks. We have sweetened the current short story and novel levels and introduced a brand new epic level, and you can try any level out for free for two weeks. The highlight is our new group read, available to all Epic members, and there's no cap on Epic, so the more the merrier. Each quarter, we'll read a book voted on by Epic subscribers, and that will fulfill at least one task of the 2020 Read Harder Challenge. We will also cap off our read-along with a live chat. But wait, there's more. Get the full details on this and other perks and sign up at insiders.bookriot.com.
1: And welcome back to When in Romance, the place where we're going to try to get through this episode. Today is Thursday, January 9th. This is episode 50. And
0: I'm Jess. And I'm Trisha. And I almost wish, if it wasn't super irresponsible, that our entire episode could just be your delivery of the word hello. (laughs) (laughs) Because honestly, I think that might be the best synopsis. That we we haven't even done the episode yet, and I'm just guessing. But <laughs> happy New Year, Jess! Happy New Year, Trisha! It's been a quiet couple weeks, hasn't it? I'm just gonna say I'm so glad nothing eventful happened uh, in the entire nothing. time that we were away. None. I I will say uh, we actually got a a note from somebody the other day who mentioned um, that they had been listening to the show from the last show that we did, gosh, 50 years ago now, was it? <laughs> yeah, about that, yeah. Uh, <laughs> or so. Um, and uh, Tamana mentioned that she was listening to that episode and said, "You and you mentioned, we're going to have a lot to catch up on after the holidays. <laughs> <sighs> and I think it was probably just a line delivered, you know, in passing. Um, but as it turns out, I i mean, can we say much of the professional romance world kind of imploded. Is that is that fair? I, I
1: I mean we can we can say that there's there's a an argument for that to be the correct statement. Yeah, and you know there's it's hard to really determine how much of the professional romance world is actually impacted by everything. But boy, has the world learned a lot about professional
0: trade writing organizations in the past couple weeks. And that is the take home. So moving on, Jess, 2020, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we have we do have a lot. Uh for those of you who have somehow, despite the coverage, the national media coverage of this uh, massive situation, who have managed to miss it, we will maybe we'll offer a few quick highlights and, and start maybe looking forward into the new year. Uh, but first, let's do an ad spot. Let's do an ad spot so we can just dive yeah. right in. <laughs> so,
1: Women in Romance <laughs> is sponsored by Book Riot's Read Harder 2020 Challenge. Thanks, Book Riot. Uh, the Book Riot Annual Challenge is back. Once again, Read Harder 2020 has 24 tasks designed to help you break out of your reading bubble and expand your worldview through books. With new genres, new authors, and new points of view, the challenge will hopefully help you discover amazing books you wouldn't have otherwise picked up. Read historical fiction that's not about World War II, a retelling of a classic or fairy tale horror from indie presses, and more in this year's challenge. Go to bookriot.com slash harder to get the full challenge task list and to check out the prizing for those who complete the challenge. I always try. I never win. Not yet. Not yet. Maybe
0: this is my year. I've actually already completed three tasks. See? (laughs) (laughs) We're not even 10 days into the new year. I'm feeling good. I feel like this is your year, Jess. This is my year. So, the Rita's have been canceled.
1: The Rita's have that, been
0: canceled. Is where we were going to start? <laughs> so, when we were emailing about this, I think literally yesterday, maybe the mm-hmm. day before, you know, Jess said, you know, there's just so much to catch up on. What if we just start at the Rita's have been canceled? Um, and for those who uh, don't remember, the Rita's are the, the large national award sponsored by the Romance Writers of America. Mm-hmm. And they have been canceled. <laughs> But at this they point, indeed. that's just a weird middle point now on this whole bizarre storyline.
1: Two days ago, that was like the big new thing. Yeah, that the readers had been canceled, but there's a big new thing every couple yeah. hours. Now. Yeah.
0: Um. So to give folks, I guess, a, a very little bit of background, and Jess, you, I, I was, we were at. This is the thing. Like, twas two nights before Christmas, and all hell broke <laughs> loose. Um. So on December twenty third. Alyssa Cole was the first tweet that I saw, um, mm-hmm. and tweeted out, uh, that due to a complaint, an ethics complaint made to the romance writers of America, um, and the way that, as it turns out, a secret ethics committee, I guess, mm-hmm. voted yeah. on it. Uh, Courtney Milan, who is not only a well known, um romance writer but also inside kind of the romance genre is well known and well respected for being um not just a you know long time member of RWA and a long serving member of RWA but also someone who has fought very hard for inclusion and um the ad- and advocated for diversity within RWA anyway Courtney had been because of this ethics complaint banned for life from holding a board position and also banned for a year from r w a mm-hmm, and not just a board position, a leadership position, ah uh, like at all, yeah, so that is where all of this most recently began, as you know, if you've been listening to the podcast, there's been a long history of uh institutional racism inside of r w a that has been most evident within the way that readers have ignored authors of color and queer love stories, and especially uh it is worth noting. Black authors. And so I don't know how to like fast forward a bunch of scandal, but this is only, this show can't go into February. So it's very much a princess bride. It's too much. Let me sum up. Yes. Right. And, and yeah, so I don't know if you have the summer. I feel like there was huge outcry. There was huge outcry. Many board members, specifically um, the, I think all of, I shouldn't say all because I don't know, but about a half a dozen of the board members. Which, if my understanding is correct and my memory is correct, and we will link to um, our uh, friend of the podcast Sarah Wendell from Smart Bitches Trashy Books wrote about this. Um, Claire Ryan wrote a whole history of the whole thing. Um, There are a few different summaries that, if you're trying to get a whole, if you're trying to get a full understanding of what happened. First of all, good luck. And second, set aside a
1: couple days. Yeah.
0: Um, and Jess actually wrote a a really wonderful and reflective post about kind of the implications of this that after you've read a summary and understand what happened is very, very much worth your time. But anyway, so then a bunch of board members, so that happened on the 23rd, on the 26th, Sarisha Glass, I I guess I, I don't know if that's how she pronounces her name. Now I feel bad. I,
1: I don't actually either. I think in my head it's
0: either Cerisha or Ceresia, but either way, either of those. Yeah, Sericia, if we, if we got your name wrong, we apologize. Um, Tracy Livsay, Pintip Dunn, uh, Priscilla Oliveras, Ferroshan, Erica Ridley, and Denny S. Bryce, all of whom, if I'm not mistaken, are women of color, resigned their board positions. So that's three days later. Then, eventually, Carolyn Jewell, who is the president of RWA, also resigned. And then president-elect Damon Swade. Picked up, I'm like doing a lot of large motions with my arms just because this is all very confusing. Uh, took Mm -hmm. over as the president, and then, and actually, I should mention too, in the meantime of all of this, people were starting to increasingly learn, um, that I think, actually, to be fair, many people already knew it was being increasingly made public that there were things going on in different pieces of RWA, for example, um, There was uh, a chapter where, at least one chapter, where um, women of color who were presenters were getting paid significantly less than white women, um, or I should say white authors. Uh, There was things becoming evident where stories about, um, uh, where queer queer LGBTQ plus love stories were not being allowed membership to RWA. Mm -hmm. There was just a lot of things. It started to become very clear that this ethics complaint was... Reviewed in a very shady, non-traditional way.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: that other ethics complaints hadn't even made it to the ethics committee. Mm-hmm. And had been ignored. Like, this is the kind of stuff that you could not have sold to a television show. Because they were like, no, this is two bananas. <laughs> not a thing. Yep. And so, then, like, Chuck Tingle got involved. <laughs> like uh, A lot of very serious complaints got um, lobbied against Damon Swade. And the epilogue of that story is that he resigned. I don't know uh, earlier today. I think <laughs> like so now.
1: I I think it's this morning, and that is probably only because yesterday seven uh, publisher uh, romance publishers or publishing imprints announced that they would not be attending the RWA annual conference, um, and they would not be. Uh, submitting or contributing sponsorship funds for said conference or um, like Avon had the Beverly Jenkins uh, scholarship helping someone attend. And they said they wouldn't be participating in that because RWA was imploding.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, and I should I guess we should say even though it's sort of like many of the statements that frankly have come from RWA in the last few weeks, feels a little meaningless eventually the the complaint against courtney milan was dropped and there was a decision not to pursue it or something
1: well like the 20, on the 24th the board had an emergency meeting and rescinded their sanction um but they were still going to discuss it based on i think a uh, legal opinion were the words that they used in in their announcement which was like
0: two tweets long <laughs> yeah and then but i think then on the 30th i'm looking at an alicia rye tweet that's from sarah wendell's post an abundance of caution that complaint against courtney milan has been closed no action is being taken at this time like it's just mm-hmm. not that it matters because at this point i'm pretty sure by then she had decided to mail her rita which was she had one. Was it her that mailed it to the Brown cultural pop cultural library?
1: Yes. yes. She, she sent it to Brown. Joanna Bourne sent hers back. Mm -hmm. Like she sent it directly to RWA. Um, Mm -hmm. There were a lot of people who just did not want to be involved. And of course, while all of this was happening, not just because of the, of Courtney Milan, Milan herself being like wildly heavily sanctioned for, ethics when she is probably the most advocative that's not a word but I'm going to make it one Do it. for ethical like things <laughs> um, a lot of people immediately lost faith in RWA and their um, Romance Sparks Joy coordinated three separate letters one for readers and reviewers who were originally going to be reviewing uh or judging for the readers, saying we're not judging anymore. One for authors who were saying we're disappointed and uh, who no longer want to be involved in the organization, and one for reader readers who said we're disappointed. What are you going to do about it? Um. So there was that happen. There was just like so much happened. I spent so much time on Twitter over mm-hmm. the holiday break that I'm sure I could have read three books any other year mm-hmm. or more. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. That was, it was actually fun. I think it was Alicia Rye had a tweet on like maybe Christmas Eve that was uh, to the effect of um, they dropped all this on the 23rd thinking that because it was the holidays, it would get swept under the rug <laughs> and like,
1: then the take home
0: was you think we can't wrap presents while we're angry jerks? Like it was, I think there might've yeah. been more curse words in it. Yeah, probably. Um, But yeah, it was a lot. Like that's, yeah, same thing. I had like three small toddlers that (laughs) some of whom were under my care at various times. And so I was kind of keeping one eye on my two-year-old nephew, who was very big into Christmas lights, and uh, another one on Twitter. And it was, yeah, it's just been a mess. So I guess, yeah, the current state of affairs is that both Damon Swade, who was for two weeks the president of RWA – Mm-hmm. Um, or the president of the board. I don't know the term. You're, I, you are a member. I do not know. I, you maybe don't know either. There's just so many things. Um, and then also, um, is it Carol Ritter? Carolyn Ritter? Carolyn Ritter. Carolyn Ritter. Thank you. Who has been like a staff person for RWA. So Damon Swade resigned today. Uh, yeah. Carol Ritter, Offered her resignation. It was accepted, but she's like staying on for the transition or whatever, which Mm -hmm. I don't really know how helpful that is. Oh, and then there was the romance writer's report thing, which was all that, whatever. It doesn't matter. I, we will link to some things. You can get yourself updated, but it has been a mess. It has been a mess. And
1: we haven't even really touched on all of all of the various threads of it. So, Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, it's like
0: there's a whole thing where Damon Suede maybe like made up a book. And there's even more like heartbreaking stuff about the way that people have been treated. And, you know, we've referenced some of that. But like some of it is just like hilariously bizarre in some ways. And some of it genuinely is just awful and really, really heartbreaking that so many of these writers who have worked so hard have been dismissed and... Maltreated, uh, in such a way. Mm-hmm. So, can you say just for, you know, you and I talked about this before, as a, if you are not of this field, you don't necessarily have a great understanding of why even bother, right? Because there are dues mm-hmm. that you pay to be a part of RWA. There are things, it's a professional affiliation organization. What kinds of things is RWA actually meant to do for romance writers? As a trade
1: organization, you join because A, you can, you can put that on your, your like sort of writer resume that you are a member. And they have two different big groups. There's like their published author network, which is people who've written and published a book. And there's the group of people who are anticipating publishing and but like both, both groups have one thing in common. They want to have some form of career as a romance author. And being part of RWA, you get not only you get access to like courses and training and, um, you know, like really good resources on how to publish and, um, things you should look out for and how to, Maintain your brand and just like a lot of really craft type stuff. Um, and of course you're part of a 10,000 person group. Well, before two weeks ago. Um, and you have 10,000 people to, to reach out to that are sort of part of a family for you. Um, and then there's also advocacy, like they, um, well sometimes if your publisher isn't paying you they're supposed to be the ones who advocate for you or a group of you um they were the ones who paid for um i think they paid for legal services for the people who were being uh, sued during the cocky gate stuff. Like they, they were certainly involved. Yeah. They were, they were definitely involved. They're, a, they're a really big support for anyone who really wants to make it as a romance writer, but you don't have to be a part of it. It's just an extra perk mm-hmm. if the organization is being run as it should. Mm-hmm. And uh, on the surface, it seems like that. There's like photos of, nice groups of people on the website. And there's always like join RWA university and talk about craft and talk about sales and talk about how to get your book into bookstores and talk about how to pitch and meet with agents because agents are agencies are also partly involved in RWA. And uh, the big thing about it is attending the national conference Going to sessions about writing, meeting with agents, meeting with editors, entering the Ritas. They are the sponsor of the biggest, kind of only, at the moment, romance awards in the country, at least. And uh, you know, they ha- it's in like all different categories, as we know. And they also have the, the Golden Heart Award, which is for unpublished manuscripts. So like, they do a whole lot for romance, of course. The fact that you have to pay to enter the award. Um, they RWA just lost a lot of money because as we mentioned at the beginning of this conversation, they canceled the readers and are actually refunding people. And if you're a member of RWA, it's like $45 to enter. But if you're not a member, it's, over 150 so if 500 people entered it and i think it's more than that actually because if you've published a book this year you can decide to enter and it's definitely more than 500 romances were published and some people published more than one and entered all of them um so rwa has sort of like a pot of money that they used to pay for things like uh the the um independent audit that they've requested someone do to look at the proceedings of said ethics process and all of that. And they pay for the RWR magazine, which you can get in print or digitally. And uh, there's a lot of money seated in the organization from dues and paying for the readers and paying for the conference and money that comes from the chapters. Cause there are also individual chapters, not just by region, but by, um, interest. There's the, um, the rainbow, rainbow romance writers, which is for specifically LGBTQ, um, authors. There's CIM RWA, which was cultural, multicultural. Um, that's wrong. And I know it's wrong and I'll look it up and verify exactly what C, I, and M stand for. But it's mostly like the authors who want to specifically be in a chapter where they talk about and move forward with multicultural, um, things. Because if you go to an RWA regional chapter in some places, those conversations don't always happen because there aren't always people who have a vested interest in discussing race, culture, and other non-cis white things. So yeah, RWA does a lot, but there's also a lot it doesn't do. So some of the conversation has been. RWA is useful for a lot of people, but what about those of us it's not useful for? And how do we find an organization that is not only useful, but actually acting in everyone's best interest?
0: So the um, CIMRWA is a cultural interracial multicultural special interest chapter of Romance Writers of America, um, which I only know because I googled it. I didn't know that offhand. Thank you,
1: Trisha. I I had the feeling the I was interracial, but I didn't want to misspeak, and I just
0: misspoke anyway. (laughs) I mean, that's why there are two of us. Um, And you know, it's interesting just to hear you talk about all of this. Thank you. It's really, really helpful. um, Like I said, for some of us who are less familiar, one of the pieces of this conversation that and many, many of them have been enlightening and educational to me. And I'm very grateful to the folks who have been willing to um, tweet out and speak out and, you know, help educate some of us who just genuinely don't know these things. Um, but one of the points that I've seen made that I think is really important is that inclusion, complete and total inclusion is not a thing because if you're doing that, then you're also being inclusive of people who are not welcoming to all communities. And so there's a, that was kind of an interesting way for at least me to reframe my thoughts about like, oh, everyone should be included and everything should be wildly inclusive. And I, and I think the intent behind that is generally correct. But when I think RWA was sort of framing some of that language, um, it as as an organization, Mm -hmm. they were kind of leaning as many of us have done at times on this idea that everyone can be welcome and it can be fine. When in fact you can be welcoming to everyone who is not a racist or homophobic yes. or transphobic jerk. So, you know. Yes, absolutely.
1: It brings to mind, you know that that picture with the kids and the fence? It's like a wooden fence, and there's three kids, and there's the boxes. Mm-hmm. And one is like equality, equity. I can't remember the third one, but the last one is justice. And mm-hmm. that's when they, they take away the boxes and they take away the wooden fence and put up the kind of fence you can see through. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and then, of course, somebody's, somebody's like, there's still a fence. Real justice would be taking away the fence, but yeah. like, I, I get the point of changing it, taking away the barrier in itself, um, is what justice is compared to inclusion or equity. Yeah. Um, and, uh, like that's, that what you're saying really, really makes me think that justice is what we need in an organization like that. Well, I mean, justice is what we need everywhere. Yeah. Um sure. But when, when like people who are legitimately, I mean, I can use this word, I think, there's still a level of oppression in society. And the people who are actively contributing to that oppression shouldn't, be removed from the situation. Yeah. And they can remove themselves because they don't feel comfortable in that space anymore. Or we can say, you're not welcome here. Yeah. And there was, I, I apparently live in, um, cartoons and memes because I saw one yesterday that was like, it was, it was sort of like ghost people. And the first cartoon was like, um, a large group and a small group of a different color ghosts and they're like we don't feel comfortable here or you're not welcome here make your own space and then the little group makes their own space and then the big group comes and says we want to be included and then they invade that other that tiny square space <laughs> and uh suddenly it's like you're not welcome here and it goes and goes and goes and continues forever um but that's That's another story for another
0: day. Yeah. I was just checking. I think you posted the image of that on Slack and not a link to it. But if you've got a link to it, let me know and I'll stick it in the show notes so people can. Because it is a very simple and yet also very impactful and very representative illustration of what is happening here.
1: I will definitely provide the Facebook link. I know there are a lot of people who do not go on Facebook. But if you do, or if you have like a burner Facebook account that you use just
0: to look at stuff on Facebook. Mm Mm-hmm. I know you're out there. I know you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll tell you what. I will do another ad spot. And then after that, we will talk for just a few minutes about RWA and romance as an industry in 2020. And then we'll talk about us in 2020 and what we're thinking about um for the year. Does that sound okay? Sounds great. All right. Well, this very packed and also, bananas episode of When in Romance is brought to you by Libro FM. Libro FM lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your local bookstore. You can pick from more than 100,000 audiobooks, including New York Times bestsellers and some of the hottest new audiobook releases, like The Testaments from Margaret Atwood, The Starless Sea by Erin Morgenstern, Children of Virtue and Vengeance by Tomi Ediamami, and Over the Top by queer eyes, Jonathan Van Ness. With Libro FM, you'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there. You know which one. All you need is a smartphone and the free Libro FM app. Also, listeners of When in Romance can get a three-month audiobook membership for the price of one month. Go to Libro FM, L-I-B-R-O dot F-M, and enter code BR3. With each listen, Take pride in knowing that you are supporting local bookstores. So what do you think, Jess? How will all of this catastrophe <laughs> mess impact romance in 2020? Maybe like particularly for, I mean, for for writers for sure, but also knowing that most of the folks that are listening to this are probably readers. what What are you thinking, if anything, will be the impact of all of this? I think the biggest impact will actually be the fact that the Ritas were cancelled
1: um I know that there are libraries that only purchase Rita winners or um that really look at who's been who's finalized and who's won. To sort of, sort of inf- influence their purchasing. And, uh, you know, like, I know that there aren't specifically romance readers who only read Rita winners, um, because there's so much beyond that, especially considering there are so many romance novelists that we love here at Run in Romance who have never entered their books into the Rita's and continue not to. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the biggest impact will be on people libraries and organizations and even bookstores like independent bookstores maybe and uh, um even like Barnes and Noble purchasing who uh, will not have that specific thing to look at although last year's readers were heavily self published um or like small small press online only digital first. a lot of amazon too yeah so maybe the way that they're moving forward it won't impact that as much but I think the thing that at least in certain circles is also going to happen as people have been even in the past couple weeks, weeks more deliberate about, um, thinking about who they're reading, thinking about how, how they're reading, like ha- really looking at, am I, am I looking at more diverse authors? Am I, am I reading with justice kind of? kind of thing um and the conversation has definitely um changed a little bit in some circles that i've seen but what i'm really unsure about is how much of a joke romance is going to be to the rest of the book community and the non-book community for the next couple weeks like this is This is an implosion of the biggest writing organization in the world. Like, and maybe with so many vacant positions open, you know, somebody who wants to do the work the right way will be able to move in and try to turn the ship around. But, I mean, it's going to be half of the Titanic being pulled up by James Cameron, really. It's not going to be missing the iceberg. So... And, you know, some people have said RWA needs us, we don't need them. Which, in some situations, in a lot of situations is true. Like, we, we back our own, but it's, it's also good to have an organization that will, like, support you financially if you need legal help with, with regards to your writing or anything like that. Um, but, as readers, I don't think there's gonna be a huge change for those of us who've already tried to look more closely at who we're reading, what we're reading, and how we're reading.
0: Yeah, I think I think you're right that the larger literary world and larger cultural world that looks at romance the way it does will be pointing and laughing and thinking to themselves, like, oh, romance again, right? I will also say, though, that I think that is an incredibly naive way for them to approach this. And it happens all the time, right? We know that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And kind of an ignorant way to approach that. Because while all of this was happening, I was thinking a lot in December about um, points that were being made about um, how white and cishet all of the Christmas movies are, right? There was a, a mm-hmm. pretty big scandal with I Amy- think it was Hallmark um, mm-hmm. pulling some LGBT uh, advertising or not even like it was an advertisement that featured two women in addition to featuring multiple other couples. Like, not that it should have mattered either way, but anyway. Um, <laughs> and I was thinking about that in the context of all of this and thinking about how this is an enormous problem. Like, this is a problem that happens culture wide when mm-hmm. films and books and radio and just kind of advertising, all of the input that you get is so. Focused on one kind of person with one white, or sorry, one, I was going to say one world experience, but realistically, <laughs> that is exactly accurate. Also, right, well, one very specific world experience about being a white person of probably some level of privilege and who is a cis uh person, and you know, we, I think, this is a reckoning that a lot of other avenues of culture and pop culture are going to have to continue to deal with in the coming years. Because I think, you know, as a reader, you can think to yourself, it's easy to think like, well, I tend to read white authors, but that's just because that's what's presented to me. But honestly, if you are listening to this podcast, you have a lot of exposure to a lot of authors who are not white. And this is I don't know, as far as personal responsibility goes, this may be an unpopular opinion, but like, I am a white woman of privilege, like I have nothing to lose. And also, it is my responsibility to say, I think readers have a responsibility, and especially romance readers who by and large, and this is not true of all of us, many, many of us are reading, you know, in a year, 30 or 50 or 100 or 200 books. And I would encourage anyone who is doing that and who is noticing that all of those books Are by white authors, or even most of those books are by white authors, and about cishet couples, I would encourage you to first of all take a look and see if that's the case for you. And if it is, start to think a little bit about why, because it's, I will grant you, it's a very easy thing to fall into culturally, and it can be a little bit uncomfortable to break out of that pattern. But we have tried um, at Book Riot for sure. And we've tried to connect you with other sites that have also tried to help give you any tool that you need to break out of that pattern. In the same way that I think any of us have a responsibility to vote, you know, whether it's in a local election or federal election or whatever, I think all of romance readers do have a responsibility to vote with their library holds and their wallets and whatever else, you know, I think just good civics and just good being a member of a community is a good enough reason, but also these are great books.
1: Mm-hmm. There is
0: a good romance that is about someone who does not look like you or does not fall in love the way you do in every genre, in every subgenre all across the way. We have worked very hard we spent a lot of November and December finding them for the very, very specific <laughs> requests that we got um, and I you know I just I do think that. If you're a reader and you're listening to this, it is worth taking a minute, both for your own benefit as a reader, but also just to be a better human part of the greater literary world to think about what you're reading and why. And I'm not saying, you know, like if you've only been reading white authors, you're a bad person, but it does mean that you probably have been pretty heavily culturally influenced and you're missing out on a lot of great books, first of all, but you're also not voting, as I was saying before. With your wallet or your library card or whatever else for the people who have been so hurt by this system and who have just been set back in so many ways. And so I don't know, like there's just no good reason not to be reading more marginalized voices and learning those stories. It's also, to be honest with you it's a great reminder anytime you're reading about someone who is not like you, that you are the center of your own story, but you're not the center of the entire world story. And that is a reminder that I think a lot of us need on a pretty regular basis. So I don't know, that got very soapboxy. I'm sorry.
1: Well, if not here, where? Exactly. (laughs) Exactly.
0: In the first episode of 2020, where Trisha jumps on a soapbox and tells everybody they're Reading wrong.
1: Well, you know, we got to start out the year in that kind of way. Yeah. It
0: basically sets us up for the rest of the year. It's true. Oh, although I will say this too if you are a publisher, you need to be acquiring and marketing more books by marginalized voices. It is not enough just to walk away from RWA or whatever. Like, honestly, that costs publishers a lot of money, that conference. Mm -hmm. So do better.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I will say the um, Ripped Bodice report on racial diversity in romance publishing doesn't come out till March, but Bea and Leah and Rebecca have a- already mentioned that we're going to need to brace ourselves. Mm-hmm. So, really, publishers, get on it. And readers, if you're saying, everywhere I turn, there's books by authors of color and... Uh, non-cis authors maybe they're being marketed but they are less than 10 percent of the grand total of books being published in romance today whether by traditional publishers or by independent published authors so they're out there yes but we need more
0: <laughs> yes yes we do speaking of which well, this is only speaking of which because of the, a thing I've been thinking about, but that's so that's it. the worst transition of 2020 <laughs> so far. Uh, Jess, do you remember what your 2020 2019 reading resolution was? I believe my 2019 reading resolution somewhere, I'm pretty sure I talked about it here
1: was to read more authors to try to, to not just stick to my favorites.
0: How'd you do? I feel like you did pretty well, right?
1: I did pretty well, and I I found some people that are um have very large backlists mm. that I am going to have to make my way through over the next several years. Um, sure, and you know I that's I, that's not saying that I didn't. Read some of my old favorites. Um, I would never leave an Alyssa Cole book to the side for too long. Um, but I've, I found some really great authors, um, new and who had been publishing for a while. So I was happy to con, to make that happen through the year.
0: Well, congratulations. Do you have a new resolution for 2020? Um, I kind
1: of want to continue that, but. I really want to read more backlist. <laughs> and mm. that's in part because, um, well, for one thing, I own a lot of backlists that I haven't read yet. Sure. Um, but also 2019, starting in March, if mm-hmm. you might recall, I was empaneled on a jury, basically, um, for the ripped bodices. New Excellence in Romantic Fiction Award. So I was reading 20, 2019 releases only. Uh, something slipped through because it was a 2019 audiobook, but it had been published the year before in print. Um But I all I read was books released in that year, and I missed out on a, some series that I hadn't gotten to in years previous, or... New authors that I wanted to try who hadn't yet published in 2019. So I want to try to do a little bit of catch up with, with those books. Um, and, you know, the ones on my shelf. So mm-hmm. that's really, really what I want to read. Um, what I want to do. And, you know, the first couple months of the, of the year are going to be me preparing for sitting down with Christina Lauren for an hour and, uh, remembering that they have written Many more books than I have actually finished. So Sure. <laughs> so starting with all of their books except for the three that I have
0: finished, a lot of backlist. Yeah. When are you sitting with them? Is that a thing we should be telling people?
1: They will be at the Tucson Festival of <gasps> Books. So <gasps> if anybody wants to come to Tucson in mid March and hang out with me and uh Kristen Lauren and some other people.
0: Um so basically everyone is gonna to want to do that.
1: <laughs> Yeah,
0: it's going to be amazing.
1: On. It'll be great.
0: That's awesome. I'm super excited to hear from you how it went. I was like, watch it out. No, it's not. on. Okay, well, you- <laughs> vicariously, I will live through you. That sounds awesome. <laughs> um I'm also super impressed because you did way better than I did. So my resolutions from last year, if I'm remembering right, I was going to revisit them. And then I got before the podcast sort of in the rabbit hole of all of the RWA bonkersness um (laughs) i'm pretty sure that my two were to read more um lgbtq plus romance last year and i do think i did that i failed entirely at my other resolution which is why is my resolution again this year but i really think i'm gonna make it happen this time so my (laughs) resolution last year that i failed at was that I wanted to review more books and part of like on Goodreads or wherever, because Mm -hmm. we talk about a lot of books. We write about books for Book Riot or other outlets or both or whatever. Um, But there are a lot of books that I really like that I read that I, I just, we just only have so much time, you know, Mm -hmm. and we usually run over anyway. Um, (laughs) So I, my part of why I think I failed last year is I didn't actually set a metric. I just said like more So I do, because partly I think it is a good way to help support authors broadly. um, I do want to review more books. A thing that I could use, so I'm trying to decide what that number is, because I'm going to set a number. I'm going to say like, I'm going to do this many Goodreads reviews in 2020. My inclination, this would be really helpful for me. I'm asking for some feedback on this. My inclination has always been to review books that I am excited about. So like four or five star book reviews, particularly if I am reviewing books by marginalized authors or, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. So what I would like to hear from people is, is it better to set a lower number, say like, I don't know, 60 books, 70 books, and just do only books that I'm like four or five star review level about. Or is it better to set a higher number and like do all of the books that oh, man. I, you know, like a hundred or whatever and just say, I will do a hundred reviews, even if they are two star reviews. So I don't know because I, as previously discussed, have failed at this at least last year. This just, this might have been my resolution two years ago too. I can't remember. Um <laughs> So I failed at it before, but I'm really feeling good about 2020. Um, But it would be helpful if you have thoughts for me on whether it's, more helpful just to review the books I really really liked, or um, more helpful to review a little bit of everything. Let me know, everybody. We'll see.
1: That's an awesome resolution because I am so bad at writing reviews. Like, if you follow me on Goodreads or are my friend on Goodreads,
0: you notice sometimes I just have sentences about how I'm feeling, and that's my review. <laughs> it's like I mean, and I will be honest. Like, I'm not especially if I'm trying to do a hundred of them. That's like you know, two a week or so. Yeah, uh, These aren't necessarily going to be very brilliant, poetic, wonderful, amazing, thoughtful. Re- they'll they'll be thoughtful either way, but it might be two sentences as opposed to a full, you know, whatever.
1: So, yeah, smart, vicious so style. Yeah,
0: don't get your <laughs> hopes up uh, for what this is going to look like. But I do think actually even just having the rating and the review makes a difference for authors. And so I, I do want to do that. But I like I said, let me know what folks think is helpful versus not in terms of Goodreads because I – I will set my, my numbers accordingly, and then uh, we'll go from there. All right, Jess, give me one book that you are excited about that's coming out in 2020.
1: One. Oh, gosh, one.
0: Just one. I won't mention
1: one that you all know that already know that I'm excited about because it's by a particular author that I talk about all the time. Um, but <laughs> one book that I am super excited about um, – I actually did the cover reveal and had an excerpt from it in Kissing Books. Um if you don't subscribe to to the Kissing Books newsletter, you miss cover reveals. It's lots of fun. Um link will be in the show notes. (laughs) Um it's the Boyfriend Project by Farrah Sean, and it's her first book with forever. And it, it like the premise is just so great. The the series is um a few, a few different women meet and become friends after they realize that, um, I think that they've been catfished by the same person. Um, I think is, is how that works. But her writing is just so delightful. Even those like thousand words that I had access to, um, when I was putting together the reveal were just like, I need more of this. I need to be this person's friend so that I, can- <laughs> so that I can, Hear her talk all the time. Um, Well, Farrah too, but also the character in the book. Um, So I'm really looking forward to picking that one up. And have you seen the cover? It's so great. Um, If you haven't seen it, Trisha, you should check it out.
0: I have seen it, but I will link to it in the show notes so that everyone else can click and pre-order and, and see it. Yeah,
1: I'm, uh, I will admit I actually have an arc already. Um, ooh. ooh, but it comes out in June and I was like, do I, do I do that to myself? I want to, I'm going to want to talk about it and I can't talk about a book six months early when there's so many books that are coming out earlier. Um, so I'm really excited for that book. It'll be a great mid-year pick me up, but there's, there's so many coming out that we could do a whole episode on books we want to read in 2020.
0: Honestly, our next episode is probably going to have to feature another of these segments because I am still thinking of more of them, and unless there's another <laughs> entire industry meltdown in the uh, next two weeks,
1: which oh gosh,
0: fingers crossed there won't be. Fingers crossed. Uh, yeah, no, I actually, yeah, have like four in my mind right now too but the one that i will mention just because it's a little bit at top of mind because i know that the author just submitted it to the publisher the other day i saw it on twitter is recipe for persuasion by sonali dev um, uh, who if you have been listening to the podcast regularly you know that pride prejudice and other flavors was one of my favorite books of last year which was the first book in this series um and sonali dev is just so good she's She's just so good so good like there's (laughs) there's a man bun on the cover of this book and i'm still like (laughs) you know what i could be in on this um and so i i don't know a ton about it i've seen the blurbs and i um hopefully i'll have to contact the right people get myself an arc um (laughs) so it's uh chef ashna rajay who was in the previous book um mm-hmm. in Pride, Prejudice and Other Flavors and actually worked with the hero a little bit on and off and I think it was a cousin of Trisha Rajay um, and so I finally read it so I can actually oh yeah like, so you read it recently so I you know great. yeah and so like the restaurant is like kind of failing and she really has to like figure something out and so she joins cooking with the stars but she ends up getting paired with a star who is uh a professional soccer player or football Ooh. as it is called in some parts who also happens to be just her first love ah. i know but he ghosted her it's a lot mm. We don't know again oh, I have yeah.
1: persuasion yeah i forgot persuasion god i'm oh. right.
0: yeah um so yeah because that's the thing this whole series is you know retellings of um Jane Austen books. So I was so, so delighted by how the retelling of Pride and Prejudice was done in Pride, Prejudice and Other Flavors that I'm really, really excited. And I mean, anytime Sonali Dev is writing books, I will be reading them and delighted about it. So um, Recipe for Persuasion doesn't come out until May, which is why, yeah, we will probably going to have to do another segment at least on <laughs> books that we're excited about. But actually, there were a few that came out right at the end slash beginning of the year. Tracy Livesay had a new book. Um Kate Claiborne has a book that everybody's really excited about so i love lettering it was so good so i haven't read it yet jess (laughs) so anyway apparently when we don't have to talk about the implosion of the romance professional association we'll have more time to talk about books and it will be great it will be but in the meantime i feel like you know (laughs) 2020 it's gotta be up from here
1: right it's gotta be up from here there you go you you've got the show title
0: (laughs) um so yeah we'll 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 see um i know i had one written down before that was about justice i'm like well <laughs> too bad now you're getting kicked to the curb um we'll see anyway uh we so appreciate all of you this is episode 50 for us so we've been doing this um this is i think roughly our two-year anniversary i think maybe roughly. the next episode is our like full two-year anniversary but we got some really lovely feedback on Twitter over the last few weeks and we always do. And we so appreciate it. Um, so huge thanks to everybody who listens and who subscribes and who, um, you know, sends us notes and lets us know what you're thinking. We do read it all. Even if uh, I am. Not on the internet and I, I moved, so I didn't have internet for a while. It's, we're doing our best. Uh, but if you have thoughts and if you want to help me figure out exactly what my, my Goodreads metric should be, please send me a note. Um, our email address is one in romance at bookriot.com. Uh, or you can find me at Trisha Haley Brown on both Instagram and Twitter. Um, I need your help because I do want to set a number and I'm going to like, in our show uh, agendas, put a few regular updates so that I make sure that I'm actually doing the thing because 2020 Jess, it's going to be 2020. It's happening. Where can people <laughs> not hound you about your new year's resolutions?
1: <laughs> um, you can find me on Twitter at Jess is reading and on Instagram at Jess underscore is underscore reading. And you know what else we want to hear from you between <gasps> oh, now yeah. and two, two Mondays from now. no, that's wrong. Two, th-
0: <laughs> Two Thursdays. Two Thursdays
1: from now. <laughs> so the
0: 23rd. Before January 23rd. <laughs> I'm trying. No, you are doing great.
1: We want to hear from you about Get a Life, Chloe Brown. Yes. By Talia Hibbert. Because yeah. we are going to talk about it in our next episode. If you have thoughts about specific themes. If you just want to... Uh, have some words about characters or events or random sentences in the book. Give it, give it all to us, but make sure we get it by the 23rd.
0: Yeah. Cause that's, that's our recording day. And I will say, I was telling Jess before we started that the, some of the things that popped to my mind are kind of the pacing of the book. And I'd be interested to know whether folks were hooked immediately or if, like me, they took a little bit more time. Um, mm-hmm. and I also, Italia Hibbert is one of my very, very favorite authors for, um how gently and generously she treats her characters and so to see her write a heroine who is a little bit unlike unlikable at least at Mm -hmm. first i thought was really interesting and i i'll be excited to to talk about that with all of you and with you jess so please do feel free everybody to rate and review the podcast it helps other people find it i think is that have we have we done it have we managed to cover all of this in under an hour i guess i think we've done it although if
1: you want to just ramble back and forth for another minute
0: and a half i'm sure jen who's our wonderful sound engineer would love that um but no i feel like we can cue the 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 closing music and call it good Um, all right but yeah happy new year everybody we're excited to spend it with you
1: happy new year and until we meet again happy reading happy reading everybody (laughs) Yeah.